0: I'm going to take you way back, and uh, a story that probably a lot of you grew up with had a recurring statement. The statement was this, the sky is falling. Several of you recognize that. I could tell there was a few maybe that's never heard the story that goes along with this statement. He goes back to a little character by the name of Chicken Little. Chicken Little was in the barnyard and uh, just minding its own business when an acorn came down and hit Chicken Little right in the head. The sky is falling. The story goes on to where other friends uh, got involved in the story and Chicken Little was telling all of them the sky is falling. Went to Turkey Lurkey. Foxy Loxy and Hin Pin, Duck Luck. The story just continued. The sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. This story has been told over and over and over and over and over and over. Matter of fact, when you research it to find out, they really don't know where it started and how many different continents it's been on and how it formed and who shared what. And we all know how a story it gets exaggerated when you're trying to, you remember the end of the story, and so you just start embellishing it the way that you think it ought to go. And so there's all kind of versions of it, but it keeps coming back with the statement, the sky is falling. It is the belief in that there is imminent danger. And there is a moral that goes along, no matter how the version is told, and that is to have Courage. I want you to stand with me as we read God's Word together. Second Peter, chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 3 through 7. If your Bible has headings, you'll notice at the beginning of chapter 3, it says the day of the Lord will come. At verse 3, knowing this, first of all, That scoffers will come in the last days. With scoffing, following their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of this coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Verse 5, notice, for they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God and that by means of this world that had existed it was deluged with water and it perished but by the same word the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Lord, let your word speak to us once again, for we do know there's a still voice crying. There's imminent danger ahead. Help us to have courage in this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Turn around to somebody just before you're seated. If you don't know them, give your name to them. Find out their name. Give a word of encouragement. The sky is falling. Have you heard? Jim, the sky is falling. Anita, the the sky is falling. David, the sky is falling. Kathy, the sky is falling. Susan, the sky is falling. Jim, the sky is falling. And after a while, don't you get tired of hearing that? I can remember, as a youth pastor many years ago, serving here, I took a group of about 100 teenagers into Atlanta, to a YMCA, for the night, locked them in. Didn't have any workers that night, and so I kept uh, all night just staying busy. I didn't get to play with the kids much. I had to make sure some of them weren't misbehaving. It was an old Y, and it had multiple rooms, too many rooms. I came up to a room and there was about 15 teenagers in there and they really didn't want to see my presence. And I got the time to talk to them. So I'm glad you've kind of sequestered yourself here. I want to talk to you. And I started sharing things about the Lord with them. Many of them admitted they had never heard anything about God or his word. And finally I said, well, let me just, I'm gonna go on and." I'm gonna ask you to leave the room and get out here and play with some of the others. Of course, they rolled their eyes at me. And I said, but I want you to know something about me. I want you to know that I do love you. And I want you to have a good time. But I am a believer in the word of God. And I do believe that Jesus is the son of God. And he came to this earth and he left after his suffering, death, resurrection. But I believe he's coming again. And when I did that, one of the kids spoke up, had all the answers to life at age 14. And said, oh, I'll never forget this. Oh, they've been saying that since the 20s. I said, they've been saying it longer than that, son. I said, they've been saying it for 2,000 years plus and so again, here we are in this hour, and there are still voices saying there's imminent danger ahead, that there's judgment ahead. The word of God says that this earth has known judgment, but the judgment ahead will be different this time by fire. Have we heard it so often that we're weary with it? And have we heard it so much that now we don't really say it anymore? For fear that somebody else may roll their eyes at us? Are we bored with the subject? Are we concerned about the subject? Do we believe that there is imminent danger, judgment ahead? You see, in this country, there has been its share of people who have given dates when the Lord would return. Some of you might remember, I don't personally, but through reading, of course, in 1938, H.G. Wells' story of the War of the Worlds was read over a radio broadcast by Orson Welles. It so scared the populace, who was this pre-TV, all these families gathering together. Orson Welles read it as if it was a brand new happening in the moment live streaming event and people literally ran to church buildings believing that the world was coming to an end different ones have come up in our lifetime and probably the most recent that that actually got at least national attention was 1988 when a man wrote Edgar Wisenant wrote a pamphlet almost a book form Of 88 reasons why Jesus would return in 88 being here at that church at this church at that time serving as a associate pastor brother Langdon was leading service through that week every church was having revival weeks and I can remember distinctly leaving the front part of the chapel platform making my way around the hall and got into the foyer and One of our ushers was out there with a lady who was very upset. And as I walked up to the lady, I said, may I help you? She said, I don't like this. You don't like what? I don't like all this attention that Jesus might come now. I said, why does it bother you? And she said, I don't want him to come now. It just rang through my spirit. She was very sincere and very upset. She said, I've got a lot to do. And I want to see my children get older, and I want to have grandchildren by them, and I don't want him coming now. She said, so what do you think? I said, I personally don't believe he's coming at this time. He'll come as a thief in the night. However, with that being said, I don't think you have anything to worry about because obviously you think that the whole world evolves around you. And if you're that important, Jesus will wait on you she glared at me and then finally took a breath and settled down. You know what? Jesus hasn't returned yet. So is the sky falling or not? Again here, Peter is writing and he said, I've already wrote to you once and I'm writing to you again. You see these first century believers believed with everything in them, Jesus was returning. You and I would say that, uh, They didn't have anything to worry about because, look, we've had another 2,000 years and he hasn't returned yet. Why are we here? Those streaming, why why do we still believe this thing or do we believe this thing? If he hasn't come in 2,000 years, is he coming? And here's this word that speaks to us. Is he delaying his return or is he just not returning at all? and gave us warning that there would be scoffers in the last days. Now these first century believers believe they were already in the last days. And this is the very passage that comes along and tells us that they actually were right and were right. He says, because remember, a thousand years is a day unto the Lord and a day is a thousand years. We're still in that two day time frame. Pastor, do you believe Jesus is coming again? Yes, I do. Do you believe it truly can now be imminent? Yes, I do. And these scoffers were reminded again from the moral of the story of Chicken Little we are to have courage. We have another generation that's come up and maybe they haven't heard the sky is falling as often as maybe some of previous generations heard about the Lord may return at any time. So maybe this is foreign to them or is there really interest or how do we know? What does the scripture say that tells us that it could truly be at any time? And in that we realize several things now are in place that was not there 2,000 years ago or even 50 years ago. Ezekiel 38 and 39, as you read them, you'll realize that that what it took is now in place. Radical Islam is in place for carnage that the world has never witnessed. We understand that persecution is now in every form. At this very moment around this globe, there are brothers and sisters in Christ who are dying in their faith. Every day, there are more martyrs for Jesus Christ today than any time in history. Not just biblical stories of martyrdom, not just Stephen, but we've seen now the escalation and yet persecution in this western part of the world has taken a different form. It comes at different levels, beginning with stereotyping. Any type of media that you watch, any kind of television program you watch, whenever a Christian is depicted, it's always the same. They're just ignorant and stupid people. Or now, we've seen the full maturity of that position from the media outlets, that Christians are not only ignorant and stupid, but they're intolerant. We're always haters. We understand that this... Persecution is a squeeze on every level of us. Our private lives, our family lives, our community, our nation, and our church. There's a squeeze, there's a pressure. We understand that spiritual warfare is what? It is a war about truth. We now live in a time where we're hearing certain phrases over and over getting us indoctrinated to understand critical race theories, to understand about intolerances, bigotries, racial disruptions going on. We understand that the real war is on truth itself. And so now we have a time where we have many voices screaming, there is no such thing as an absolute truth. It can only be relevant at best. That each one of us can do what we want to do any way we want to do it. We understand in this that that our positions uh, in this that we are being marginalized, we're being threatened and even litigated. There are Christians being sued every day. Many of us remember younger days if we have any age on us at all when When church activities was the center of the communities we lived in, were raised in, but no longer the case. We know now church activities have to take second place to many other public educational centers. I know this is all things that make us nervous to talk about. And yet they're right there glaring in our face. Our children, our grandchildren. And again, the word that we need to hear in our spirit is the same thing as the moral that Chicken Little gives us. It may be a simple story, but it is a profound moral. Remain encouraged. Have courage. Trust God. The story that Jim Wise gave today of the next generation and the generation behind them that has been around it somehow, but it hasn't become personal. And finally, the event happens that triggers, I want to hear more of your story. We have to. To be in position to share our faith to our families, to our grandchildren, to those that we have influence over, because they're being barraged with a host of voices that says there's nothing to this Christian thing. They've been crying, the sky's falling way too long, and it's still there as if their world is the only world to talk about. That's why the, Peter came back and said, they're so deceived. The heavens were here long before them. There's been a world on this planet that was destroyed, it perished. Several of us just went to the ark exhibit in northern Kentucky a couple weeks ago. The next time it won't be water, it will be fire. Do we believe this? The only way we would believe is if we believe in God's word and we take God at his word. Again, we go on different levels. The threats, the intimidation, the litigation, the spiritual warfare against truth. What does the word of God tell us? That when we put on the armor of God among the other things we put on, when it pertains to truth, we are to put on the belt of truth. And I love the King James wording here. Gird yourself up. Can I use a more contemporary expression? Buckle up, buddy. (laughs) Buckle up. We're at war against truth. Jesus said, I am not only the way, but I am truth. And you'll find in me life. This has to be more than Sunday morning preaching. It has to be a conviction. It has to be at the core of our being that we believe in Jesus Christ. Being the truth, now more than ever, his name is being stained. Again, we'll accept you in a lot of your ways, but you can't bring that Jesus with you in this conversation because you're a hater with that name. And again, all the different profilings that go along. We come back. What is fueling this? How did the enemy infiltrate us to such a level? And there's an entrance gate, and it's called selfishness. Paul would write 2 Timothy, his last letter as well. And he's writing to a young pastor. And he said, in the latter times, there will be times filled with peril, filled with problems, filled with struggle, filled with anguish. But notice the beginning of the list. People will be lovers of self. And from that springboard, the other things materialize. When a person becomes so preoccupied with self, everything else becomes skewed. Everything else becomes blurred. This is why it's easy to get involved in hatred, in bigotries, because it's all about me. How does it affect me? This preoccupation with self that leads into materialism. We got to check ourselves. It's one thing to know we're blessed of the Lord and able to receive things in life and have life abundantly and enjoy life, but materialism can be also become something that we're preoccupied with and we measure ourselves by our toys we measure ourselves by our things we measure ourselves by we have more than somebody else it will consume an individual jesus had a word for it he called it mammon He said, you can't love God and mammon at the same time. You're gonna love one or the other. It is impossible to love both. You can have mammon around as long as you love God, but whenever you are preoccupied with mammon, you'll lose sight of your Lord. This materialism continues. It's it's a preoccupation on that which is material over that which is spiritual. And we have to check ourselves Do, Do I have adequate time of feeding my spirit? Do I have adequate time to converse with somebody else that encourages me in my walk with the Lord? The next thing that I found is actually a superstition, and yet it may also be a reality. We're not sure. But when covens of witches, we know that many things are read backwards. That is a fact. We know that many ceremonies are done backward to the Christian position one of these beliefs possibly and it does make sense is that they're trained to pray the Lord's Prayer in reverse which means the first thing we pray about is give us our daily bread and the last thing we pray about is your will be done it is the reversal of priorities If, in fact, that is something that they're trained to do, you see what happens to an individual. That by the time you get to, oh, by the way, your will be done, we're so mesmerized and so preoccupied by that which we want now. Give me my daily bread. You see how subtle it is. Where we get so consumed in the now that we forget that which has eternal ramifications. Thy name be honored and thy will be done. I'll get around to that. It is the reversal of priorities. And what about immorality? Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, the words of the Lord himself says, the latter days shall be likened unto the days of Noah. They were eating, drinking, giving in marriage, just doing life, just partying. Had signs around them. Those of us, again, and others have got, been to the Ark exhibit. Can you imagine for anywhere from 70 years to 120 years, a long time, hearing just that reminder there's something about to happen, the sky's going to fall. I wish them people would quit making noise over there. What in the world are they building over there? Why are they doing all this? The Bible says until it was too late, they were eating and drinking, giving in marriage, preoccupied with the present and not looking to the future. We get tired of hearing the skies falling. Nothing's changed. It's the same as it's always been until it wasn't. This is what the Bible describes in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The wickedness of man was so great upon the earth that the intent and the thoughts of the hearts was on evil continually. Is the sky falling? Do we look at our hour and say there has been an escalation in immorality? Are we concerned what our children are listening to and hearing? and being influenced, to be involved in? Are we concerned about our grandchildren? What about the young families that are planning on having children together? I can remember my mother, who's been gone for five years now. She just looked at me one day, knowing that I was a pastor. She said, you need to instruct all your families not to have any more children. I would not want to raise children in this hour. From her older eyes at that time of what she knew as a young woman raising her children compared to what families face today. It alarmed her. Again, does she have a right to feel that way? The problem we have today is everything from our culture is screaming everything's about feelings. Feelings. You see, we grasp at what feels good instead of that which is good. It feels good. And it'll sweep you right in. The selfishness just leading us into these things that we, we didn't know. Brother Langdon, Sister Langdon preached for years what sin would do, it'll keep you longer than you ever planned on staying. It'll cost you more than you ever planned on spending. With selfishness, what it finally leads to is higher divorce rates, teen suicides, higher crime. The leading cause of death, when you study it, are self-inflicted through tobacco, alcohol, drugs, obesity, sexual transmitted disease. It feels good. I'll grasp it. Instead of it, but is it good? I know it's quiet in the house because we're all there. We feel the squeeze. We feel the pressure. I don't wanna deal with that. Just give me me a moment, just let me relax and yet the pressure's there. The sky is falling, I don't wanna hear it. Tell me that God is love. Don't tell me that he's a God of judgment. If you use that word from your pulpit pastor, you're gonna be labeled. You'll be a hater. You'll be intolerant. But are we going to preach truth from his word? Or are we going to feel the pressure of the squeeze? It says, well, we'll deal with it later. That's what they thought so long ago until it was too late. We're living in alarming times. Secular humanism teaching us. It's all about self. It is the removal of theism, it's the removal of God from our thoughts. And the thoughts are now inverted to self. What do I get out of it? What's it to me? What do I benefit from this? Social Darwinism leads to this myth that man will solve his own problems eventually. The Word of God keeps telling us that there's a Savior, and His name is Jesus. And the reason He paid the ultimate price is because we cannot save ourselves. There are times, as Jim Wise told in his story, he was at the bottom with his last grasp of any oxygen, couldn't rescue himself. There are those times when God will reach down into the miry clay and give us extended hand to rescue us from that slimy pit of sin. Where sin had seduced us long enough, now we were powerless to it and we couldn't save ourselves. You see, there's something about this gospel. It truly is glorious. And yet it is so filled with truth because it is truth that we find ourselves saying, but I don't want to deal with it right now. God, will you just do it for me and let me do what I want to do. And then I'll catch you later somewhere down the road. And then we hear his words, for God still so loves the world. That he reminds us, he gave that which was the most precious to him his only begotten son. If we will but believe in him, we don't have to perish when the sky falls, but have everlasting life. This is the thing that has to be that gyro in our spirit that keeps us balanced, that keeps us focused. For the young here today, the young listening, streaming, I'm so young, I still want to, have life I don't want to be labeled a bible thumper I don't want to be labeled a radical you're going to be labeled a lot of things the bottom line is in your spirit in your heart do you know that you know that you know above everything else Jesus is mine that as I gave my heart to him, I surrendered my entire life to him. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We have to remind ourselves. I don't care how old, how young, we're only passing through. I know this sounds like old fashioned preaching, but it's up to date, it's current, because it's still the gospel. It hasn't changed, it has remained. His word is immutable. No matter what age, what culture, what time, what circumstance, what experience, God still so loves the world. That it's not his will that any should perish. You see, if we were to continue to read 2 Peter chapter 3, verse eight, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You see, he's not slow. He's not, the King James says, slack in his promises, but he is patient. How many of are so glad he was patient with you? How many of you are glad he was patient with you this morning? Judgment is coming. The sky, first of all, won't fall. It's going to open up, and it's going to take a lot of us out of here. But the sky will fall in judgment. You see, I carry a great responsibility. Standing behind a pulpit, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will be measured and judged according to that which I've been obedient to and disobedient to. This thing is kind of mixed because, at one side of us, I don't like to hear fearful, frightful judgment things, and yet that isn't the whole story, is it? There's promise of eternal life. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me, that where I go, you may also be. Tammy, he said, I love that little Catholic girl so much that I'm preparing a place just for you. Would you stand with me today?